I'm not sure if you can hear the child crying in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need to record it like fucking near near on midnight every time yeah i thought that my brain would be like better (laughs) earlier in the day (laughs) for some reason okay shall we start Yes, the cloud has moved on, so the sun is back. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, this is Baron Barricade's Lamest Podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I am your host. I use they, them pronouns. And uh, I've fallen into a very weird hole in TikTok today, which was all about um, making baklava. So I think that by the time we finish this recording, we're recording way earlier than we usually do in the day, I could actually go to the Polish market in my house and go and buy loads of like nuts and uh, phyllo pastry and stuff. So I'm excited to go and make baklava later. Aww, make enough to bring some at the weekend. I will do. <laughs> uh, this is Stevie, she, they pronouns, uh, primary researcher. Yeah, I guess my thing, I'm going to use this for two weeks worth of things. This week, I'm looking forward to the feast weekend we're having with Nemo <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> From Fast and Furious, a fun. We need to get, we, we've been lacking in a franchise, you know? It's just really hard to find franchises these days. <laughs> yeah, and we've done all the main ones, so. And I guess for, we were planning this before the, the terrible Fast and Furious memes started circulating, but the, that was yeah. the final push we needed, I think. Yeah. I, I I have been like um, <laughs> very excited to get into it uh, to the point where I'm like, should I be pre-reading fix or is that spoilers? And um, today I considered going to the cinema, um, but then like all they had showing was Fast and Furious and I was like, oh, I can't go and see it. I can't ruin it. Um, so I think that we should organize going to see the, the last one in the actual cinema when we're really yeah. disgusting on Sunday. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, speaking of Fast and Furious, yeah. <laughs> um, there's never been anything fast about Victor Hugo. But <laughs> Apart from is... his cum time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's plenty to be furious about, I'm sure. We are back with Marius. Oh, and we just had the, um... Anyway, random man, I... No, no, please, I do have to tell you my thoughts. There was this man, and here's this tragedy, and oh, he just loved his kids so much. How sad is that? Anyway, Mm, mm, mm. uh, so Marius is stewing in that, and he takes himself away back to Paris, goes straight to the library at his law school, and reads all the histories of the Republic and the Empire. And he's like looking out for his dad's name, and you know, sees it in the army bulletins. Uh, and that for the first time he sees his dad's name in there, he has a fever for a whole week. So Marius wouldn't be out of place in a Jane Austen novel. And then he keeps, he like sees who his dad served under and he keeps talking to Mabouf, the church warden, who had spilled all these beans to him. Mm. Um, and Mabouf is like, oh yeah, like, here's what his life was like in Vernon and his flowers, his solitude, <laughs> his flowers is underlined 
in a box to remind me that it has. <laughs> uh, and Marius comes to know um, just like how excellent, how gentle his dad was, the sort of lion lamb that had been his father. And as he's going on this journey of like figuring out who his dad was and feeling closer and closer to him emotionally, it's making him feel further removed from Yunamond. Uh <laughs> he'll turn up at meals and then he's gone. Mm. And Yunamond is like, oh, it's girls he's interested in now. And I was like, oh, <laughs> interested in now (laughs) so he's like not concerned and in fact he's like very happy and pleased for Marius and he's like oh this is great news off he goes like don't even bother him I'm sure it's just like I thought it was a passing fancy but it's a real passion Marius must have for this woman it was indeed a passion Marius was learning to adore his father and this is I think the quote I can't remember who the quote was by, but, you know, we, ages ago when we were using the Norman Denny translation of the book in mm-hmm. his, um, like, forward or, you know, the, before you start reading, here's, like, some stuff about Hugo. That's where I learned a lot about Hugo's, like, emotional journey with uh, Napoleon and where you can see why a lot of parallels between being like, oh, is Marius just Hugo's OC? That he's like, this sort of journey exploring his dad and who his dad was, he's like, naturally, this leads to having to learn about the Republic and learning about Napoleon. And his first impression now is that it's dazzling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that like before this point the Republic and the Empire had been like monstrous words to him because he's been brought up in those uh, salons with all the old um, plus ultra monarchists <laughs> but now he's like wow I was in the dark and it when I looked at the Republic I thought what gloomy chaos but now it's there's a rising sun and that sun is Napoleon and at first he was blinded by the light but little by little he became accustomed to this radiance (laughs) (laughs) and like he goes kind of he says at the beginning of all this and he's like I'm gonna portray this journey that Marius is going on and I'm not gonna do any little asides that are like haha or you know preempt like oh oh this is silly or oh he will learn to temper this opinion he's like no I'm gonna tell it as Marius's journey is happening and that's why right now I'm just talking about how fantastic Napoleon was Mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting because you 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 kind of come to I guess (laughs) people on Tumblr would hate it with their lack of um um critical thinking skills of being like um, fight clubs should come with the disclaimer that you shouldn't I mean yeah uh, to get into the discourse but yeah Yeah. so we're we're like with him on this journey so right now Napoleon is brand new and Mm. so thrilling Mm. where before he only saw like the empire and these events as like oh dreadful um, they come into brilliant perspective before his the eyes of his imagination 
the republic and the supremacy of civil law restored to the masses, the empire is the supremacy of the French idea imposed on Europe. Uh, (laughs) He's like, the revolution is the great figure of the people and the empire the great figure of France. He avowed in his conscience that all this had been good. And then he goes like, look, progress is not made overnight. It's evolving <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> That's the Pokemon. Oh, I see. Right. Thank you. Yeah. He's turning from small, small monarchist into medium-sized Republican. Yeah, sure. Yes. Is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. Revolutionary adjacent currently. And he realized that he had not understood his country any more than he had understood his father. So right now he's he's not only getting to know his dad, he's also getting to know France. Mm-hmm. So his mother, in a way, since his mother is inconsequential because she is a woman, um, but his mother being France. Well, that would be maybe a nice way of seeing it, but no, absolutely not. Napoleon <laughs> is France. <laughs> Yeah, Napoleon is his mother. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, there we go. Then, then, then yes, then agree. Because <laughs> he does say with his words where he's like going on this thought journey. He's like, wow, Napoleon is just like the human form of France the same way that like Christ was the human form of God. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's full of regret and remorse that he didn't have this realization before his dad passed away, which... um is sad that he's like oh dad i wish i had been like here i am it's me i have the same feelings as you i i'm your son but i guess without the catalyst of his dad passing away he wouldn't have ever thought to learn more and to care actually it wasn't until Mm. he met mabuf yeah so if only mabuf had been in his life earlier (laughs) (laughs) if only mabuf was in all of our lives all the time (laughs) alas his heart is in a never-ending ache mm. he's become more earnest and more serious and more sure of what he believes <laughs> now he could now plainly see the providential divine and human significance of the great things he had been taught to detest and the great men he'd been instructed to abominate yeah from the rehabilitation from the rehabilitation of his father he naturally moved on to the rehabilitation of napoleon but this was not achieved without a struggle. <laughs> so it was like, Napoleon's going to take a bit more work. Uh. All the prejudices of the Restoration tended to misrepresent Napoleon. It detested him more than Rospierre. Um, he'd become a kind of monster mm. and lo- like in the way that they were representing Napoleon, like after the Restoration. Mm. So they speak of him as like he's awe-inspiring in like a very frightening way but that in frightfulness becomes a figure of fun says Hugo (laughs) um in speaking of Bonaparte you were free to sob or to snort with laughter provided there was an underlying hatred (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Mm, like us with Hugo (laughs) (laughs) just feel strongly if you have to feel it all yeah exactly oh god no I feel like that's something that I need to get better at not doing (laughs) well maybe no we're not like Marius because Marius is like trying to flip it from one to the other Mm. but like within him is a really stubborn little fellow who just hated Napoleon (laughs) (laughs) 
but he was working on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, by reading all these histories, he glimpsed something immense and is, suspects that he's been mistaken about Bonaparte like this whole time. And he's drawn by an irresistible fascination. Uh, interesting. Climbing these steps that are finally bright with splendid enthusiasm, which I think, yeah, the, that that's when I really thought of the um, Norman Denny introduction to Hugo, that, you know, Hugo sort of went through that very Napoleon phase of being mm. like, oh, was it something like that, you know, that all their dads kind of fought in the war, but there's no war for them to fight. So they have to like, so the ideal becomes this, thought of like oh what if I'd been able to fight under him which isn't possible so I can almost like romanticize it harder than the reality would be like what every single British politician is doing right now about World War Two. you could almost make a direct line between those two things <laughs> and the protection of Winston Churchill's statue yeah interesting yeah 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 because mm. yeah, it's literally got that like for for his dad, who was actually, like, a general under him, mm. Pomacy was like, yeah, this is, like, a great guy who I, like, work for. Whereas for Marius, he was something more. He was the predestined master builder oh, of the God. French order. Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so Marius is but a little baby uh, between his middling two evolutions. And I guess if if we followed the book just long enough, maybe one day he'd be Victor Hugo. <laughs> oh god, yeah. That's his like mega metal form to go from po- Pokemon to Digimon, where it's like um uh going out uh Metal D Grey Man, which is just like the highest evolution, but then metal, and then you had like the mega metal digivolutions and stuff where they were just like actually fuck it who needs just three evolutions like pokemon we spit on that weakness we are now going to make angel forms of everyone <laughs> victor here would love to be an angel form <laughs> oh he absolutely would yeah because mm. hugo i guess uh it's been so long since i did the hugo's relationship with napoleon mm. episode but like he see like when by his old age it kind of got to a spot where he was like I loved him then I made fun of him then I was kind of okay with him now I hate his um I hate his relative who's in charge yeah so I guess he's like oh Marius you're at the shiny phase but you'll grow out of it maybe <laughs> yeah I but he's not really super making fun of Marius for his like sparkly new excitement so he's not hating the the sinner too much mm-hmm. a lot there is a little bit of it uh coming up soon um but we're still in marius's pov where everything's like oh my god napoleon he has this little moment where he's like he's reading these army bulletins which these homeric verses written on the battlefield and He's like thinking about this and at moments it feels as if his father's passed close by like a breeze and whispering in his ear and he becomes more and more abstracted in these thoughts. He feels like he can hear the drums and the cannons and the trumpets and he's like imagining himself being on that battle, on the battlefield and his heart is in his mouth and without knowing what got into him uh, and what he was obeying, he stood up, reached out to the the open window with both arms and stared intently at the darkness, the silence, the mysterious infitude, the eternal immensity, and cried, long live the emperor. 
Christ. Mary, let's go listen to some emo music and get over yourself. <laughs> He's just like really excited to like believe in something, I guess, for the first it feels like probably the first time in his life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I can hear my supervisor's voice being like, why are you being so hard on him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, he's had a really hard childhood. and um, He's been taught to believe in this thing and it's been soul crushing, so we should give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> give you a little bit of a chance, Marius. Um, and yeah, and I guess he's just like, his, his waifu is Napoleon right mm-hmm. now. And then, so this hit, it took me longer to read than this needed to because I got so derailed by this sentence. Um, from this moment, there was no going back. Uh, the, the moment being the long of the emperor. <laughs> um, that's it for him. Like this, this is who he is now. Mm. Um, the ogre of Corsica, the usurper, the tyrant, the monster who was his own sister's lover, the charlatan. Uh, he took lessons from Talma, the prisoner of Jaffa, the tiger, Bonaparte. All these vanished and gave way in his mind to a brilliant radiance and the pale marble phantom of Caesar. And I was like, that's so great. Go back. What? Napoleon? What? <laughs> Own sister's lover? So, of course, I stopped everything I was doing and frantically Googled and was also like, why am I... My Google searches are going to be strange. (laughs) I was just like, Napoleon, sister, incest? (laughs) Question Um, mark. And I don't, it makes me feel like some sort of gossip rag tabloid journalist Mm. where I was like, this, I shouldn't give this a whole episode, so I shouldn't spend an hour researching. I'm just like, whoa, what? Um, so I only tried to read a couple things uh-huh. and they, it, I didn't I wasn't going to give it enough time to get on JSTOR like maybe in my own time because I'm just like what? This hasn't come up when I was doing my Napoleon research mm. um, which did focus more on the wars so maybe I need to take another look at you Napoleon <laughs> um, but from what I could on my vague I'll give myself 15 minutes for this Okay, it was like He had a sister who was known for, like, just having constant affairs and being like, I'm going to live my best life. Like, I don't Mm. care. Um, And that she was like, I'm going to make myself so hot and courtly so that I can kind of have sway over my brother and get the things I want. Mm. So it was like, the things I was reading were like, we're not sure if they actually were a thing like if incest happened but for like quite a while napoleon was like my sister is the epitome of beauty etc etc so it was like from my cursory research you're like it could it could be fine and that this is just like a thing that people said Mm. hated napoleon so Mm. wanted to take it that way and maybe that's why he goes including it as like you know these are all the like (laughs) monstrous things people will say about napoleon calling him an ogre and like the usurper um but yeah <laughs> my brain did completely stall when i read that line yeah yep 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 maybe I, I was very tempted to message nemo immediately and be like hey do you want some secondary reset 
you should have let me go down the pit. <laughs> so maybe that's what we'll we'll do after this episode. Seeing as we'll be finishing so early. Yeah, yeah. Right about day early. Um, <laughs> so had my fifteen minutes to be like, uh huh. <laughs> go on. And then I had to force my brain back on track. <laughs> There must be a YouTube um, episode about it. Someone must have made one. Yeah, because I think the site I mostly focused on that had that focused on a source at the time. That, but mm. it was written by someone who it was like he hated Napoleon and Napoleon hated him. So like, <laughs> <laughs> and he never said they actually fucked. But like, there's some like. There's some vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is what that guy said. So that what the the uh, website I was on was like. So um, who knows? <laughs> Take it with a quite large <laughs> pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. We'll, maybe we'll have an update for you by the next episode. <laughs> but he doesn't care about any of those things because. He's a pale marble phantom of Caesar. (coughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which I feel like is pretty close to a line, you know, when Hugo was writing his Napoleon poetry and was like, the sun doesn't set on him. And Mm. here's all this like Egyptian god imagery for for Napoleon. So I I think it it truly is him. Maybe it's Hugo being like, look, I know I was cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, um not retrospective but what's the thing um like critiquing his own work like a decade on or however long it's been yeah because he does like he goes on after all of the like the marius napoleon is something more and the, the french order and uh taking over from the roman order and we should we should be ruling the universe france <laughs> he then does go on to be like look this is like Marius's first radio with like a new exciting belief. He is elated, um, but you know, like a new convert to religion, he does take it. He did. He did go too far. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, because you know, once he started to follow his inclination, it was almost impossible that he hold himself in check. So yeah, but it's at that point that he goes like. This has all been very exciting Napoleon news, but like, yeah, he maybe ha- has gone a bit too far, a bit too excited. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Hugo is definitely like, you know, when you have your like, when you sit up in bed at like three o'clock in the morning, you're like, oh, I like remember in like minuscule detail thing I said like 20 years ago and it's so embarrassing and I feel so much shame even though nobody cares or remembers this is Hugo being like and I'm going to put that feeling into this character and laugh at him as if uh uh so that uh nobody will know that it was actually me yeah except for Hugo published all of his little (laughs) uh, sparkly thoughts for Napoleon <laughs> and this is why you should publish no thoughts ever. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, look, I know he's like he was misguided before, you know, and being taught that only the monarchy's good. But you know, now he's misguided in a different way. He's accepting everything. Maybe he's done some things that maybe he shouldn't have accepted about Napoleon, you know. There's some wrongs in the old regime. Uh, mm. and he neglected neglected that but um but in any case a tremendous step had been taken 
his orientation had changed. All these revolutions took place within him and without his family having any idea of what was going on, it was like, yeah, get revolution in there. (laughs) He's cast off the aristocrat and the royalist. Um, He'd become thoroughly revolutionary, deeply democratic and almost Republican. Um, and then he he goes straight out and he buys a hundred calling cards bearing the name <laughs> Baron Marius Thomas. Ah, <laughs> uh, he just is a young man, huh? Sure, he is. just, he just it, like I'm not. I can't remember how old Marius actually is. I'm sure it must have been said recently. I think nineteen, maybe. Yeah. So you're like, you know what? This feels like he's exactly as a 19 year old should be yeah yeah you can I feel like maybe he because my first thought was like oh he immediately goes out and buys a fedora but I don't know whether he would be that kind of like buying calling cards is very like in my head fedora territory but maybe it's the rich boy who then goes and like I don't know, does slam put, well, yeah, he goes, he finds a cat, he sure does go find a cafe with some, like, young people to go and, like, do uh, activism in, so I guess he is the young white rich boy who goes and finds slam poetry. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, because I've seen it as, like, he's like, here's my new revamped name, here's my calling cards that he's like, you know, like, I was never organized enough for this but it used to be such a thing at con everyone would like have all their social media details on the little cards that you'd hand out at con yeah but like that was how i saw it that it was like (laughs) oh you're like oh (laughs) mary because it's like so he goes out and buys all these cards only as he did not know anyone and he could not leave his cards with any porter he put them in his pocket oh my god like you all these cards but you don't don't even intend to hand them out marius little 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 baby child boy yeah yeah you just little you just little baby boy yeah as this is going on you know he's getting more and more estranged from his grandfather because he'd always been the solemn youth and his grandfather the frivolous old man so naturally they'd already like had a bit of a like difficult relationship Mm. but because they both believed in the same thing Marius used to be like okay I can like deal with this Mm. but now he's got the inexpressible feelings of outrage of the thought that it was Monsieur Guillaume who for stupid motives had ruthlessly thrown him away from the colonel and deprived the father of the child so for that reason, and then also because their politics now are so different, he was like, I hated you before, but I could just about. But now, um, except he's very good at, like, he keeps this all. Right now, he's, like, bottling this all, mm. keeping it close mm. to the chest. He's concealing mm. and not feeling. Yeah. Um, he's just getting increasingly chilly in his manner. Um, <laughs> and one day he will let it go. <laughs> but, like, still his grandfather's, like, don't worry about it. He's so lovesick. Like, it's fine. But he's, like, barely ever home. I know what I'm talking about. Um, and he'd been going on, like, these brief trips, which is why they thought, like, oh, he's going on these trips to meet his woman. Mm. But actually, like, on one of these trips, he's going to Montfermeil looking for Tenardier, 
Mm. as his dad had put in his little note like oh Tenarie like help me out like Marius be good to him if you ever meet him mm-hmm. but no one knows where Tenarie's gone because the inn has gone bankrupt mm. um, so that's just like one of his many little excursions and his grandfather's like he's certainly sowing his wild oats <laughs> just like Hugo <laughs> I think that would make uh, Unamond proud and happy if he was being like Hugo. Yeah, that's true. Instead, he's going out and he's learning. Boo! <laughs> he was like, I, fi- I thought my son, my, well, my grandson was finally becoming like a himbo or something. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. I'm so disappointed in you. You're supposed <laughs> to be a lawyer in name only. And oh, so what like sort of drives home even more that they're like, oh, he's definitely having an affair is that they can sometimes see that he's got around his neck under his shirt something attached to a black ribbon. So they're like, oh, what little keepsake has he got? Mm-hmm. Next chapter, a bit of skirt. <laughs> and then he goes like, so we have mentioned a Lancer, who was a great, great nephew of Unamond. Mm. And like, we've told you about him before. And I was like, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> But we've only just done Yunamon's chapters, and I only just re-listened to those episodes again, <laughs> just to be like, yeah, I know where I'm at. So I was like, did I just completely read over that? You probably so it would have probably been in reference to the aunt um, in the previous things, and you were kind of like, yeah, fuck this <laughs> stuff. Um, well, you didn't go into it so much. It- but guess I so, but it was most like super uh, into him. It was mostly just talking about how much she's a prude. Mm. So I was like, "Whoa, there's another member of this family." Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a good thing that he repeats himself because I needed yeah. it. <laughs> this one time, like, all right, yeah, you got me. I was paying attention this one. <laughs> um. So this great great nephew, who is Lieutenant Theodore Gunamond. Mm. Um, it's a very fine looking officer he had in quotation marks a girl's waist <laughs> a triumphant manner of trailing his sword and a handlebar mustache they're like I'm picturing it and it's great Yeah, he's the actual I think well I am going to speak too soon and then I'm sure this will be uh, overturned mm. but I think he's the real himbo of the family oh uh, Theodore. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so the cousins only know each other by name, and Theodore is like the favorite of the aunt. Mm. And that is like, and that's basically because like he's not around much. And not seeing people means that they can be assumed to have every perfection. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, maybe we just should stop seeing each other, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you expect me to be perfect at any point? <laughs> well, more so that you can think I am perfect. I already do. Aww. Aww. <laughs> we were all Theodore. <laughs> <laughs> that girl's waist. <laughs> yeah, the handlebar mustache. Oh, in, in the dreams. <laughs> um, but he's not usually around, but he's tanning up and he's like, oh, and it's me. Um, and she's so thrilled to see him and is like, so we've been 
wondering what's going on with your cousin Marius. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, here's wait, here's the hot goss. He's been developing a habit of sleeping in another bed. <laughs> and like for her, and a mystery to savor is like a foretaste of scandal. Save these <laughs> souls and not averse to it. And I was like, yeah, mood. Oh, give us the scandal. Yeah. So she's like, he turns up. But he he just spends a lot of time on the, being like, instead of just, you know, like, oh, I'm here, aunt, let's chat. He, like, takes a lot of pauses to be like, that she keeps asking for a kiss and then it's like, auntie kissed her. Mm. And then later on, like, she gives him some money because she's, like, so thrilled to see him. But and also is going to be like, I need you to go <laughs> find out what's going on with Marius. Mm. And for that, he gives her a second kiss. And she had the delight of having her neck a little chafed by the braid of his uniform. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) What's happening? Like, why did you take the time? (laughs) You've got precious little words left in your life, Hugo. (laughs) Did we need this? Uh, Specifically after um, you criticised Napoleon for possibly being incestual. Yeah, it was just like, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe, no, because if it was just the like, oh, give me a kiss, like, kiss your aunt, hello, you'd be like, okay, but it was the the delight of having her neck a little chafed by the brain yeah. of a beautiful, and I was like, I'm not reading a fake right now, this isn't okay. <laughs> um, so she's delighted. Yeah. Um, Wait, so what is her relation to him? Because it's Gilnaman's great nephew great great nephew great great nephew oh jesus christ would it make it just great nephew for uh uh aunt jillamond mm-hmm. because Maybe? if you're just taking one step out of it it's yeah it's on her her family's side whatever it is they're absolutely related and it describes it describes him as being his aunt Unamon's favorite mm. Whatever's going on, I didn't like that, Hugo. But moving on from the chafed neck of the uniform, yeah, uh, yeah, she's like, so you're traveling around? And he's like, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, so actually I hear that my cousin Marius, he's traveling as well. And she's like, whoa, how did you know that? Mm -hmm. Um, And when he was going to book his coach seat, the front seat next to the driver had already been reserved by Marius. Mm. The aunt's like, oh, amazing. So, uh, you know, we think he's having an affair. I kind of want to know what's going on there. <laughs> he doesn't recognize you, does he? <laughs> and Theodore's like, yeah, like, I've seen him a couple times, but where's the line? He has never dined to notice me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Theodore's just like, wow, I wish that I had a cousin that, you know, liked me and we could talk to. And Maris is like, oh, fuck you. I hate everyone in this family. <laughs> or just like, I'm too up in my own business to even notice you. I am a sad, poor orphan boy who is stuck in these salons. Uh, and now I'm a sad, poor orphan boy who is like out man on the town. I don't need you. Yeah, so like he can go on this mission for, for the ant because <laughs> Marius won't even know who he is. Oh my god. I do kind of aspire to be Theodore in this situation though. Like, yeah, aunt, give me money to like go stalk my cousin's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uh 
<laughs> but then we kind of get like a bit of the ants color like how she must have sort of been around Marius that she's like, oh Marius, what an ugly name. What was the idea of calling him that? At least your name's Theodore. <laughs> and the Theodore MVP is like, I'd rather be called Alfred. Oh my god. <laughs> so I love him. Yeah. Is Alfred a French name? That sounds particularly British to me. But um Yeah. But then mm, maybe there'd be an accent somewhere around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I loved it that he's like, I'm not a part of whatever it is that you're doing here, and mm. anyway, I'd love this other name. When we write the fic about our new best boy, <laughs> yeah. like best boys, we'll call him by the name that he's chosen. Yeah, yeah. Very trans. He, he's got his, like, you know, women's yeah. waist and his uh, chosen name. And his, his like, moustache with tiny waist, his chosen yeah. name. He's just like, Lots and he's like... Yeah, and that he's like, and my family members wouldn't recognize me as I am now. Yeah, yeah. Love this boy. <laughs> Best boy. Because he's like, moving on from you just like shitting on my cousin uh, <laughs> and our namings, which I don't even care about our names. Okay, I will, I will follow him for a bit. Even though he's like, not super keen on spying but he's like oh she has paid me 10 louis so like well i guess i'll accept the commission if that's what you want and and added to himself here i am playing chaperone um (laughs) and then she gives him another kiss because we're just like counting the kisses at this point yeah um and she's like, you wouldn't get up to such mischief, Theodore. You respect discipline. You obey orders. You're a man of conscience and duty. And you wouldn't leave your family to go and see some hussy. And then he gives this little set-aside smirk. The smirk of Cartouche being praised for his integrity. So I assume that Cartouche has no integrity. Yeah. Oh, let, let's, yeah. Um, the first thing that comes up is Egyptian hieroglyphics. Hmm. Well, I feel like from the context, mm. it's that he's like, ha, 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 ha. Yes, I would never abandon family to go hang out. Me? Ah, the, tam- the term cartouche was first applied by French soldiers who fancied that the symbol they saw so frequently repeated on the baryonic ruins they encountered resembled a muzzle-loading firearms paper powder cartridge, cartouche in French. Well, I wonder, I mean, if you look at what a a paper cartridge looks like, it's quite phallic. So I'm going to assume that it's probably something to do with the penis. I see. Got us again, Hugo, with the long one. (laughs) We had to work it out, but we got there. (laughs) We we, we needed to understand this uh, pun, uh, like, vitally, so... Yeah, so he's like, hee hee. Um, <laughs> it was a dick joke all along, of course. <laughs> so that night, they were on the coach. Marius is there on the coach. First thing the spy does is fall asleep. Of course. Like, love him, love it, love your work. Yeah. He sleeps soundly with a clear conscience. Um, And then they get to Vernon and he wakes up and is like, well, well. Maybe Marius already got off the coach. Like, maybe I won't even have to write a letter back to my mm-hmm. aunt. Like, maybe it's fine. 
But then he sees someone gets down from the top of the coach. I was like, okay, that could be Marius. It was Marius. <laughs> uh, and he watches him buy a bouquet of flowers. And he's like, Theodore is like, oh, I see. Intriguing. Mm, now I'm getting into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, so, like dogs that hunt on their own account, it's becomes a personal curiosity and he starts to follow Marius and is like, oh, those flowers are pretty nice. She must be um, she must be very pretty. <laughs> um, Marius pays no attention to Theodore and starts heading towards a church and Theodore's like, oh my God, excellent. The church, of course. <laughs> Assignation spiced with a little bit of a mess at the best. Mm. Nothing is so exquisite as a stolen glance and the presence of the good Lord. Hey. <laughs> I just like love it. Hugo really is just like kind of giving all his like tips and tricks here. <laughs> True. Okay. No, don't invoke Hugo when I'm thinking of best boy Theodore. Yeah, it's true. Sorry. But then Marius doesn't go into the church. He goes around it, and he's like, "Oh, the Tristan outside." Um, but then he stops, astounded, because there's Marius kneeling on the grass of a grave weeping the flowers are everywhere <laughs> uh, the sweetheart was a tomb mm. which would be a baller uh like line if it wasn't about his dad <laughs> yeah well i guess it was as a like you family you thought he had a sweetheart you didn't even imagine that it could be something mm. that wasn't like oh he's just having an affair so i guess it's like a dig at them mm. But Theodore, he's totally nonplussed to find himself unexpectedly confronted with the tomb. He's just like, oh, I'll back away from this situation. Hmm. Um, Death appeared to him with large epaulets and he almost gave it a military salute. And then not knowing what to write to his aunt, he decided not to write at all. (laughs) He was like, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) And probably nothing would have resulted from the discovery made by Theodore. Mm. um, If by one of those mysterious (laughs) coincidences, the chance just so frequently engineers, the scene at Vernon had not almost immediately had a kind of repercussion in Paris. Uh-huh. Of course. Fucking Providence. <laughs> oh, best bitch Providence. Yep. Back. <laughs> so three days later, Marius comes back from Vernon and he goes up to his room, takes off his coat, takes off his black ribbon and goes to have a bath. And as we know, Monsieur Guillaumont, he's like very spry for an elderly man, and he's, which means that of course he is up early and springing up the stairs, and is like, "Oh, I'm gonna go embrace Marius and question oh, he's him." In the bath. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't know he's in the bath yet. Okay, okay, okay. But it was like I don't know, like their relationship is just so like strange. Mm. Because he's still like, oh, Marius is home. I'm going to go, like, give him a hug, question him, see where he's been. Um, He just, like, gives such mixed signals to Marius, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. But when he gets up there, Marius is already in the bath. So he's like, oh, even better. I'm going to take the coat and his little necklace. And he goes to his daughter, Marius's aunt. And is like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to learn the ultimate secret. Because it's it's a locket, not even just a medallion that's on... The necklace, so like, mm. oh, I'm gonna see what she looks like, and then to remind us that Guillaumeon like is a bit of a prick. He's like, it's probably some dreadful tart that he'd make you shudder. 
god. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, there it is. Young men have such bad taste these days. But they open it up, and inside it isn't a portrait. It's a letter. And they're like, oh, it's a love note. Read it, read it. They unfold it for my son. <laughs> well, hey, gentlemen, like, he could have a daddy. <laughs> so he's got to keep reading. So they're like, for my son, and they're like, whoa. Um, <laughs> the emperor has made me a baron, and they're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. And they're like, the feelings that Unamond and his daughter were feeling cannot be described. Mm. They felt chilled as if by the breath from a skull. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's from Pomacy. It's in its handwriting. And then at that same moment, what would fall out of Marius's coat pocket but the little package of his 100 calling cards? Stupid child. Stupid child. <laughs> It's as if the the heavy-handed hand of fate. <laughs> Providence, she comes a-knocking. And then at that moment, again, Marius comes in and is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and with that air of sneering bourgeois superiority, Ooh. which he used to devastating effect, Monsieur Guillemont exclaimed at the sight of Marius, well, 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 well. <laughs> There's a lot of wells. Oh my God, I'm not kidding. Well, 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 well. You're a baron now. I present my compliments. What is the meaning of this? And Marius goes red and is like, I'm my father's son. And Guillemont's like, I'm your father. Mm. And Marius is like, my father was a humble and heroic man who proudly served the Republic in France, who was great in the greatest history that men had ever had. He only committed one wrong, which was to love too well, two ingrates, his country and myself. Wow. But I'm like kind of proud of Marius, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, him. He didn't just like crumble. Yeah. Well, he's had a lot of time bottling stuff up. That's true. So this is the shaken bottle being mm. opened. Um, and Guillermoand, he can bear to hear it. At the word republic, he steers up and uh, steers up, stood up, or to be more accurate, leapt to his feet. Mm. Um, and the the best metaphor, or yeah, it is a metaphor, not a simile, but he's like, with every word that Marius says, his face gets redder and redder, like the, a pair of bellows blowing air onto an ember, turning it darker and darker. Mm. Also, that was a simile because it said like. Oh, okay, yeah, wait. <laughs> Had the effect on the old blah, blah, blah. Of a air? Of air being pumped? Hmm. I didn't say like. Is it just needing to be like that makes it into a simile? Such as like. I feel like of also counts. Mm. Yeah, had the effect of. Okay, there's one of the two. <laughs> An imagery is being. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some literary imagery, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, Marius, you abominable child. I don't know what your father was. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about him, and I don't know him. And he's like, revolutionaries are all murderers and thieves and they're all miserable wretches, everyone who 
was under Napoleon. All of them, I say. All of them. Hmm. Not one exception. All of them, I say. Do you hear, Marius? Um, he's like, you're no more a baron than is my slipper. Wow. Yeah, his monarchy is showing really strong. He's like, they're all traitors. He betrayed, betrayed, betrayed their legitimate king. <laughs> and now it was Marius who was the ember. Mm. <laughs> and Guillaumont was the bellows. So Marius is shaking and red in the face. And he doesn't know what to be- is to become of him. His brain was on fire. And he's like, but how can I avenge my father without attacking my grandfather? It's impossible to insult his grandfather. And it was equally impossible not to avenge his father. Mm. Um, so he like stares intently at his grandfather and cried in a voice like thunder, down with the Bourbons and with that fat swine, Louis. <laughs> it's like, so Louis had been dead for four years, but he did not care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just, you've got to let it rip when yeah. you've got to let it rip. <laughs> so the old man's crimson at this point, but then grows white as his hair. And then like a walking stone statue strode slowly and silently from the window to the fireplace and he's pacing. And the ant is just like sat there. With her popcorn. <laughs> yeah, doesn't like not in- getting involved, doesn't even know how to react. It's just like watching it go down. And then he says to the ant, to the ant who is his daughter, a baron like this gentleman and a bourgeois like me cannot remain under the same roof. Get out! He shouted. <laughs> <laughs> and Marius leaves the house. Mm. Uh, but then he does say to his daughter, so send 600 francs every six months to that bloodthirsty revolutionist and you'll speak of him to me no more. And he's like so angry and full of fury from all of this that for, is it three, three months he'll only speak formally like even to his daughter (laughs) formal view and marius for his part he's gone off feeling outraged and then again there are always these little accidents of fate that complicate domestic dramas which you know although no additional wrongs have been done because fate just does this sometimes makes things worse so when Nicolette is carrying Marius's things back to his room Mm. from the scene of the altercation accidentally without noticing had dropped the locket that had the note from his dad Mm. and Marius is like there's no way that Guillaumont didn't just destroy it Mm. he's like there's no way this was an accident so he's even more furious because like even though he he knew this piece of paper and the handwriting by heart that sacred relic the very heart of him what was to be done with it so he leaves without saying where he's going without knowing where he's going with 30 francs his watch and a few clothes climbed into a cab at a cab stand hired it by the hour set off for the latin quarter to take his chances what was to become of marius what was to become of Marius? Who knows? Who knows? What a cliffhanger. It could be anything. <laughs> he died in the gutter that night. Oh my god. It would be a different book, but then also I like wouldn't be surprised if Hugo ever did make us follow a character <laughs> who then died and didn't actually have anything to do with the main plot. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think uh, if that happens. Um, some would argue the bishop, but they would be wrong. They couldn't be more wrong. He could die next chapter. You don't know that. <laughs> Maybe there's two Mariuses. Maybe Theodore changes his name again, and he changes it to Marius. Mm. And the Marius we're following right now has changed his first name to Baron. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> That's very... Um... Like, American old money name, I feel like. Yeah, I could see it. So, yeah, all popped off for Marius. Yeah. He got out fairly fast. I wasn't expecting him to um, to, to leave his family house this soon, but um, he's out, he's gone, he's slumming it. Well, slumming it, but it's still going to be sent pocket money. Yeah, for now. Oh. <laughs> all that and, look, and more to look forward to next time. Yeah, well... We've just finished another book, yeah. but the next book is going to be Friends of the ABC, which wow. I hear is very popular with Les Mis fans. Wow, I can't believe we've already made it that far. Jesus Christ, seriously, we're at Friends of the ABC? We must be, we're actually really close to actually being halfway. Like, we're not quite halfway, but we're really close to it. Wow, yeah. Wow, I didn't realise actually they um, were this soon into the novel to be honest <laughs> I thought well, we had a lot further to go you say soon but it's been like four years <laughs> <laughs> that is true that is true um yeah that is true wow I just looked at the next few pages and I have underlined so much Ooh, so. I'm really I'm looking forward to meeting all of these characters because I don't know them yeah wow actually the next chapter that we read is like like the one that everyone quotes from all the time so like it goes straight into it it's not like oh yeah here's you know another thing about the sewers it's like yeah we're (laughs) gonna get we're gonna get them we're gonna get the the abyss so yeah we can play some fun games next time when we finally start talking about these boys um you'll have uh like nine new names to remember and all of them are vitally important (laughs) And I have, I've read a couple fics yeah. in the past yeah. that involved all these boys, but I don't know their personalities, really. I have a really good game that we're going to play. So, okay. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. And also, I know all of their names a lot better than I did the other names, so I'll be able okay. to, like, um, give you reminders and stuff. So. You'll keep me on the straight and narrow. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll get you deeply invested in the ones that have, like, three fics. Excellent. So. <laughs> we know that that's where I like to live. Yeah, exactly. So all I like forget Marius. We've got all that and more to look forward to next Ooh. time. <laughs> yeah, I am proud of Marius for like having his like. No, you shut up, old man. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we can, we can't take that from him, which is actually yeah. more than I expected. Just from like just from watching the the, the movie musical. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine. Um, oh my god, what's his actor called? I literally went, oh, you mean Marius Pomacy? No, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. But I, I was going to say, I can't imagine Eddie Redmayne like, being like, bah, 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 bah. but actually we have seen Jupiter Ascending. So yeah. I imagine exactly that style. So I, yeah. oh, maybe I should have like given it that flair where he's like, um, he was a humble and heroic man. Who <laughs> <laughs> had committed no one wrong which is to love the two ingrates his country and myself yeah exactly like that um 
<laughs> and in that cape as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Excellent. So it, it, with that image of him, I can have like so much time for that character. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, yeah, he's, more, he's, he's been made palatable now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have. That's me done. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this was Brian Brackett's Alamus podcast, produced by Meaning with Martin and Julian. Yeah, it was a Brian, Brian Brackett's production. No, it was not. It was a Captain's Collection podcast. If you like this episode, you should tell us that you can comment or question or quibble us especially about uh what the oh what was it crochet the thing that i thought was a female looking thing it was cartouche yeah then it said his His. about cartouche so i'm like is he a guy or is this just a good joke yeah well if you know anything about that please do tell us (laughs) you can send us an email lamospodcast at gmail.com l-e-s-m-a-s podcast at gmail.com or on twitter lamospodcast or tumblr at redbarricades you could also leave it in a review just like no context just say define (laughs) cartouche on our itunes um and give us five stars our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. And you could also donate to our Gopi Horror Patreon. And if you do, let us know by sending us an email. Um, and if you do, thank you. <laughs> um, and also thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll go back to recording later in the evening when we're sharper, I guess. Yeah, yeah, when we've had all that time to marinate in the day. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs>